Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside our panel. I've got Greenbean and Matt O'Leary. Boys, how you doing tonight? We're finally rid of the Wicked Witch of the West, or the North, or the East, or the South. We should call it the East, I guess. Adam Gase is gone. Bye-bye. Greenbean, how you feeling? <laughs> I like that. The Wicked Witch of the East. And there's all this concern that he's going to go get a job right away. Who could care? Who, am, am I freezing already? Is that what's happening? No, I can't you're stand good. this guy. I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> Matt, how you doing tonight? Okay. Oh, what a great day it was when Adam Gase got fired. I, I, it's going to be, where were you when you heard the news that Adam Gase was fired? That's how bad it was. Uh, for I don't know about you guys. For me, my least favorite Jets coach by far, uh, maybe ever. Uh, for some of the older heads out there, cough, cough, green bean. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good day. Yeah. Guys, we have a question <laughs> of the day. All you have to do is go down into the description down below. Green Bean's got a new channel. He just put up a new podcast on it. All you have to do is go over there. He's got a question of the day. So all you have to answer is how many times have the Jets owned a top two pick? Ever. So subscribe to Green Bean and vote on that pinned comment in the uh in the in the podcast video you'll see it you'll see it as soon as you go to it you'll it's linked down in the description below yeah. but we're gonna raffle off a shirt at the end of the night and one lucky person is gonna get one so really really cool all right so let's get our thoughts about the whole adam gase firing and the rumors that are swirling about who we could potentially be hiring we've got a few names that are out on the interview uh you know list there's you know, Eberflus from the Colts, the defensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator from the Bills. Uh, who else we got in there? We got um, Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Uh, I'm losing it. There's the Giants defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. The Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. And I'm missing one. Mm. Who am I missing? Smith. Smith, Arthur Smith. <laughs> there it is. Right, Arthur Smith. Those are the ones we've heard about so far. Now, there's other rumors that are swirling, too. There's there's rumors. Heck, well, I'll, I'll bring up the whole Harbaugh thing in a little bit, but we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss that. Uh, what, did, what were you guys, what was your thoughts on Adam Gase's firing? I mean, I know we've talked about it ad nauseum for the last, like, two months, three months, two years, roughly. Um, Matt, what were your thoughts? Uh, it needed to be done. Um, it was just, he was, he was toxic. That's the best way to describe Adam Gase's tenure with the New York Jets. It was very, very toxic. He came in here and, uh, we had a 21 year old quarterback who was raw, but had a lot of really good traits that needed to be developed. And he was brought in to develop him and he failed miserably at it so much so that the Jets are now in a position where they have the number two pick. They're going to have to take a quarterback in this draft. So, you know, as I said at the start of the show, it's very rare that 100% of Jets fans agree on an, on one sp particular issue, but I could not find a single soul who was saying that the Jets had to bring Adam Gase back for a third season. Nobody liked this guy, and uh, it, it really derailed this season. So 2020 as a whole was just a tough watch. But um, if we've – if we've rid ourselves of Adam Gase, I guess it was worth it, but it, it was tough to go through and watch the 2020 season. That's for damn sure. 
Greenbean, what were your thoughts on the whole gay firing mm-hmm. and everything going on? You know, it it sucked last year uh, or before the season when Jamal Adams uh, came out and just said, look, I want out of there because, you know, for one reason is Adam Gase is not the guy and I don't feel like wasting another year of my life, essentially. I hated that he did that. I hated how he did it. But that is the truth about what Adam Gase was, is that sure, there were the couple guys like poor Sam Donald that, you know, adhered themselves to Gase. But overall, like Matt just said, he was toxic and everybody couldn't stand him. Um, He didn't address the players. It goes on and on and on the list. We could talk about each intricate detail all night long. There are there's such a laundry list of reasons why he's a terrible coach. So it didn't matter how it happened, what the press release said, what specific words they used. There was a guy who said Joe Douglas is lying in the presser because he said he fired Gase and Chris Johnson said he fired Gase. Nobody knows what I don't give a shit how I don't care. He is gone. That's all we needed to happen. The result is what we wanted. And look, man, we most of us knew this. Um, the night he was hired, I went through the Jet Nation thread. Uh, Ryan, somebody post reposted the thread from that announcement. 23 mm-hmm. pages of nine out of 10 people saying this is the worst move we could have made. And, I mean, we knew two years ago what we're going to be firing this guy in a couple years. Going to be terrible. Never thought it could be this bad. Never. So I'm glad he's gone, and uh, this you know the healing can begin. So just a few stats for you guys. Adam Gase ends his career 9-23 and as a New York Jets head coach. He has five years as a head coach. Outscored by 558 points in those five years. 36 of his 49 losses have come by double digits. 27 of his 32 career wins have come by one score or less. So he's only beating teams by nine points or more on five occasions. And there were only 13 times he was not beaten by double digits. That's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) That's (laughs) absolutely insane. Like, screw you, Peyton Manning. Like, how could you even, like, offer this guy up? This is is absolutely horrible, especially when you're in the AFC East. Like, I understand that he's the coach of one of those two teams, and you, you can't beat up on, I guess, those two teams. But even still, like, it shouldn't be this bad. That's how how awful it is. But we're done with Gase. We're out of here. We don't need to talk about him anymore. Let's talk about some of the head coaching rumors that we've heard. We'll bring up each name one by one, and we'll kind of discuss what we think about it. Uh, So let's bring up the one that a lot of people I hear from around the league are always talking about, and that's the idea of Eric Biennemi coming here. He's the hot name in terms of uh, offensive coordinators. He's been the coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs for the last three years. I believe they've ranked first, second, and first in terms of offense the last three years. Um, what do we think of Eric Bieniemy possibly coming here uh, to the New York Jets? We interviewed him two years ago before we hired Adam Gase. He has taken on seven interviews prior to this cycle. Uh, so this is going to be his next time around, and I, I think this time he'll probably get a job. Uh, but Greenbean, what do you think about Eric Bieniemy? Well, you know, look, it, it's sad to say that, um, you know, I really do believe that he's not a legitimate candidate here. He doesn't fit. So I think he might be the Rooney rule guy, which, look, it, it sucks to, 
you know, know that, you know, um, that's how I, that's what I think. I think Eric Bieniemy, uh, there's very, there's a large issue about what exactly he does. He's the offensive coordinator in title, but the, uh, the offense is Andy Reid's and Andy Reid calls the plays during the game. So adjustments and all that, it's all Andy Reid. Um, and as we've talked about numerous times, Kafka's the guy who works with Mahomes. So Mahomes runs right to Kafka and Kafka sits there and goes with the surface and they're examining the place. That's the guy. Uh, the enemy's not with him. So I'm not saying that he's not a legitimate candidate, but he's had all these interviews before. Uh, nobody's hired him and nobody can figure out what he does. At least I've asked and I've looked. I can't, there's no definitive answer on what his responsibilities are that I've found. So I think he would be um, really dangerous uh, to bring on board. So, I mean, you look at the Andy Reid coaching tree. Matt's brought this up numerous times. It's great. And he does fit into that. It's just that they're, those guys, a lot of those guys, their roles were more defined. So the enemy to me is scary. Um, I, you know, and I, I trust that Joe Douglas isn't going to hire him. That, that's how I honestly feel. Matt, what are your thoughts on Eric the yeah, um, I don't think I'm as low or or nervous on, on him as you guys are, which is fine. He's not my he's not my favorite candidate, but I think he is worthy of being interviewed and should be considered. Uh, to me, it comes from what he does behind the scenes in in the game planning aspect and the scheming of plays and just being in Andy Reid's hip pocket for the last half a decade because he was a running backs coach before that even. Um, so. If you're associating yourself with someone like Andy Reid and, and learning under him for five years, I, I love Andy Reid as a coach, and my hope would be that some of his philosophies would rub off on him. Now, again, him not calling the plays, it's probably a little bit of a, of a black eye on the uh, legitimacy of him being a candidate, but I, I do think that he is a good offensive mind. Uh, Boomer Esiason was talking about him uh, on the radio here this morning. Um, and he said he doesn't know if he's a New York personality, but he was, when they played together in Cincinnati, he was calling out like uh, blocking protections for the offensive line before Boomer was even seeing it, he was saying. So he is a really smart guy in reading uh, a defense and designing plays, which would be a significant upgrade. But that as a head coach, I think you could absolutely argue that it, it would be a question mark and be a little bit risky. Um, I'd be okay with the risk. Again, it's not my favorite candidate but i don't think he's an awful candidate by any means either i for me i'm kind of in line with green bean i i like the enemy with an established quarterback like i think the texans job makes a lot more sense to me because he doesn't have to develop deshaun watson i think in terms of you know needing to groom a quarterback or fix a sam darnold or something of that nature i would not trust the enemy to do that because I, I like green bean said kafka is the guy that I think is running the show there in terms of the quarterback room. Oh, bubbly. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't love it. I think that, <laughs> so their offense was ranked number two before the enemy took over. So I don't really see the, you know, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't see his impact on the team as much as I see like Mahomes impact and the, the weapons around him's impact and Andy Reed's impact and, and all that stuff. So I'm I'm not on board with the enemy. I would like us to kind of pass on that that option. Um, let's talk about Brian Dable. That's who I really like. I'm I'm a big fan of Dable. 
I've said it before. He's got five rings with the Patriots, one with Alabama. He's gone, you know, all around the league. He hasn't just kind of stayed under under um, Belichick or anything like that. But what he's done in Buffalo with Josh Allen and that team is awesome the last three years. I think that Buffalo fans do not want to lose him, and it's just a huge mark for me at least. Like, that's the, the – the mark of a good candidate is like, oh no, we don't want you getting him. Like, <laughs> stay away. Like that. Yeah. Any you talk to any Bills fan, that's exactly how they how they word it. And he was our quarterback coach for two years under Mangini, so there's some little connection there. Now I heard, uh, I didn't check too much of the validity of this, but I hear that the GM of the Chargers went to high school with uh, Brian Day or uh, Brian, yeah, Brian Dable. So I don't know if maybe that's a connection over there. He's already got an established franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, really strong defense. The weather's kind of nice down in L.A. <laughs> so I could see him wanting to go there. He is a Rochester guy, so maybe he doesn't want to leave the Northeast. So there, we got that little bit of uh, hope for us going right there. But what do you guys think about Brian Dable? Uh, Matt, I'll kick it to you first. Yeah, I really like him as a candidate. I agree. I think he's done a really good job with Josh Allen, and I like that. He's worked under a lot of really good coaches, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, friend of the show, Eric Mangini. Um, so there is, you know, being, a, again, I, I talked about it with the enemy, being associated around really good coaches is is definitely something that I look for in a candidate at least. Um, and with Josh Allen, I, I know I've made my take on it very clear and you guys, I think, felt pretty similar about it. Coming out of college, he was a very risky pick and a boomer bust player and, they have really transformed his game over the last three years. And sure, a lot has to go to the general manager for, for building a great team around him. But he has done a really good job of maximizing what he does well and putting him in positions to succeed. So what I think I would like about him as a candidate was whoever the Jets quarterback would be, whether it be Fields, whether it be Wilson, Sam Donald, I think that he would be able to get those guys into a position where they'd be able to flourish. So I would like him a lot as a candidate. Greenbeam, what are your thoughts on Brian Dable? Yeah. Well, let's start with the good stuff. Uh, the job he did with Josh Allen is undeniably amazing. I mean, like, honestly, none of us liked him. Uh, you know, he had, look, he had the clay was there. Like, the you know, what he could be formed into was there. But it was going to take the perfect set of circumstances and working with him to get him where he is and he's there man um i still think he's an erratic quarterback but every he's just he's just growing he's only on year three and this is where we hoped sam would be so i think dable did a fantastic job with that and i like their offense as well uh that said this is the first time he's ever really had any success um, he has had uh, numerous opportunities to coach before offenses, and they he's had the 32nd, 31st, and 28th ranked offenses uh, in the league. And um, while I, I definitely think pedigree is very important, let's not forget that Adam Gase had Nick Saban um, and Martz and a whole, whole slew of guys that he came from too. So while that's important, I wouldn't override the fact that Dable really only has one place where he's actually succeeded like this. Um, that said, I wouldn't be okay with Dable. He's way above some other guys that I have, but as you guys know, I'm a stickler for resume. Like I just want to see success in different places. History is fine. 
um, you know, uh, position coaches. Obviously, we want them to all, you know, have a wide uh, spectrum of, of areas that they've, you know, coached and learned from. But I like success. Like when you look at a Matt Campbell, he's rebuilt two uh, organizations. When you look at, you know, Matt Rule two years ago, the guy, he was on his second um, uh, a complete transformation of a school program. I mean, this was a guy, this is what he does. It's not the one year, the two years. Um, so that he's concerning in that, in that degree. I'm a little, I'm, look, I'm a little, my, my path is a little bit narrower because I'm a little older and I have less time. So I'm looking for, uh, to get this one right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think he's a decent hire. I like him, but there are concerns for me with Dable. So NY Jets 24 in the chat brought up something. Uh, he says, hello, Greenbean. The Giants defensive coordinator declined the Jets interview and the Giants gave him a contract extension. Uh, I did not know that. I, I, is that. Is that fact? Is that actually? This evening, yeah, a little while yeah, before. Yeah, you got he did. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. So very cool. That was an option that, that I thought was though. interesting. Yeah, that, that was interesting. I wouldn't have thought Patrick Graham would have been a, a major candidate for us. Uh, I like what he's doing with the Giants for sure, but I, I think the, the resume isn't quite there yet um, for me. But uh, it's going to be interesting see, seeing him stick with the Giants and watch that defense kind of unfold. Speaking of the Giants, uh, let's just talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts coming out of the game in like the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. I, okay, so I was a little fired up because I heard a bunch of Giant fans like, oh, the Eagles threw the game. Like, what the hell is this? You won six fucking games. <laughs> You're not going to the playoffs. What the hell? Oh, my God. It got me so fired up. But then I was like, okay, yeah, the know. Eagles are like troll masters because all of a sudden <laughs> they they back out of the game. They're like, okay, no, we're throwing this game. We're going from the ninth pick to the sixth pick. We want the best possible pick. Then you got the Giants who already won, so they got the worst possible pick they could have at 13. And then – the Washington Redskins or Washington football team, they're going to need a quarterback. So they're like, all right, we're getting Washington into the playoffs. They're going into the 20s, and, and now they're going to have to trade up crazy far to get a quarterback. This was some 4D chess by Doug Peterson and the Eagles, but it is also horrible because they openly threw a game. Like, I don't think anyone is denying that this was just a blatant give up on the game. The players were upset. I, you could tell by the body language it was just not good. What were your guys' thoughts on on the whole, like, Giants not getting in the playoffs, Eagles throwing a game, that sort of thing? Matt, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, so I think I kind of land on both sides of the fence here a little bit. Uh, I'll explain. I I don't like the decision that the Eagles pulled mid-game. I, like, think about it like this. If you had a young quarterback who you want to see, is he the franchise guy? Because that's what you're doing with Hurts, right? Wouldn't you want to put him in a position where he could lead a come back late in a game and a game that matters not to the Eagles per se, but Washington, they, they want to make the playoffs. They wanted to win that game. So seeing what he could do in that situation, I think that's the direction that I would have went. And, and for them to pull the plug on that, that not, I don't know that I didn't like that very much, but at the same time, like the giants, if, if Evan Ingram catches a pass in, in uh, Philly in week seven, they're in the playoffs. So, how about don't go six and 10 like a six and 10 team shouldn't be in the playoffs. And thank uh -huh. God Washington saved us from that. Cause at least with Washington, like with their point differential, at least I'll have a chance and it'll probably be a better game against Tampa Bay. But um, I, I kind of see both sides. I see why the players are upset from a fan's perspective of the giants. Like, I guess I'd be bummed out about it too. But again, like you went six and 10, like you're not supposed to make the playoffs at that. 
Green Bean, what were your thoughts on the whole uh, right. throwing a game? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, number one, the Eagles can do whatever they want to do. Uh, that's how I see it. Like, you know, we're at the half of week 17, and he pulled his quarterback because he's, you know, for whatever his motivations were. Maybe Hertz was crying and said that he was scared. I mean, we don't know. We don't know anything. It's just like this was the, the, the decision he made. And just like you guys just said, at 6 and 10, you don't have the right to complain about playoffs, man. The only reason you would have gotten in is because everyone sucked around you. And I get it. It's still disappointing. But I just think, like, you go, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, too bad. Like, that's what it is, you know? Um, so that's how I feel. I think they're making – it's a lot to do about nothing, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think – they were calling for, like, uh, you know, picks to be taken and all those kinds of things from the Eagles. I think all that's a bunch of baloney, you know? I don't think it's happening. All right, guys, if you want to get your shot to win a Just End the Suffering shirt or one of the division rival shirts, I'm going to give one away at the end of this stream. All you have to do is go down into the description. There's a link to Green Bean's new YouTube channel. Click on that, leave a comment on his new video, answer the poll question. How many times have the Jets had a top two pick? All you got to do is subscribe to Green Bean and just answer that question over there. And you'll be entered to get a shirt at the end of this show. All right, and if you want to throw in which number subscriber you are in the chat, you can throw that in the chat as well. That would be kind of cool to see. Um, let's see, we got a few super chats in here. Uh, Bob Albro says, should we wait to hire a head coach until we find out about Urban Meyer to Jacksonville? Because that makes number one interesting, especially if they beat Bama. I don't know. I See, for me, I don't think Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville should impact our head coaching hire because Urban Meyer was not going to be considered for our job first and foremost. And two, he has talked very complimentary of uh, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that he's going to be uh, pulling a fast one and taking fields, at least not at this point in time. Like we're going to need a head coach well before we have to decide on like, okay, well, should we consider this coach for Trevor or this coach for fields? We should take the best coach for our team first and foremost. And if they like fields or if they like Wilson, that's, you know, where we go from there. Um, do you think there's, do you think the Jets should be holding uh, in a holding formation? Maybe not so much to hire Urban Meyer, but maybe for other coaches that might be looking at this. Uh, Matt, I'll kick it to you first, because I think this almost feels like uh, a Jim Harbaugh-esque question, because it, it, it felt like Jim, well, I guess we'll go into this as well. Jim Harbaugh is apparently holding out from signing his extension that Michigan has offered him because the Jets job is open and he wants to see where that goes. Now, the Jets haven't, to the best of my knowledge, reached out to interview him yet, but uh, I think he's looking on to see what Urban Meyer gets, and then maybe he could potentially try to make a jump back to the pros. Matt, your thoughts? Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a hardball guy, so I wouldn't particularly go that route, but in terms of waiting to see if Urban Meyer goes to Jacksonville, I don't think – like let's play the game that if Jacksonville hired urban Meyer, I don't think they're going to take Justin Fields just because he used to be the coach at Ohio state. And that's where Justin Fields went. Like, it's not like this guy coached him. It's not a cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray situation either. Uh, to me, this is very simply a, um, you take the best player or the best quarterback available, which is still Trevor Lawrence, even though Justin Fields out did outplay him in that sugar bowl game. There's no denying that. Trevor Lawrence is still the better prospect. And I think it's, he's still a lock to be the number one pick. 
So I don't think it really matters. And to be honest, I don't really care what Jacksonville does at the head coaching position. That doesn't really impact how I feel about who the Jets should hire. I don't think the Johnsons or um, Joe Douglas should look at that either. Greenbean, any thoughts to the Jets possibly holding out and not signing a coach until after Jacksonville makes its decision on Urban Meyer? No, I, I agree with, with what Matt just said. It's it's just like, no, we're just going to do – you know, I think I think it's really cool to just know that Joe Douglas, uh, you know, the, the, with the background, the people that mentored him, what their style was. There was very little games. You know, they were creative and crafty with, with things, but there was none of that, like, gamey type of shit. Like, you know, Rex, you know, signing some – you know, signing the Patriots backup quarterback and making him a captain and all. You know, I just don't see that so far from Joe Douglas, and I think that's pretty cool to know. He's just looking at his own organization uh, and what's going to be best for us and trying to make the point that we are the most attractive landing spot no matter what every, anybody else might look like. It's really here. We're going to be the – we're going to be the powerhouse in the NFL, and I think that's – um it's a tough job, so I think he's just going to do that. I don't think it really has any bearing on us uh, what Jacksonville does. Max is NY Jets. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, "What head coaching candidates do you want the Jets to interview?" In my recent YouTube video, I said Eric Bieniemy, Arthur Smith, PJ Fleck, and Matt Campbell. Uh, so, guys, we heard some of the names that are being interviewed. Are there any names that have not been mentioned that you would like to see the Jets bring in, Matt? Yeah, definitely Campbell, um, definitely P.J. Fleck. Um, Pat Fitzgerald is another name uh, from the college ranks that I think should get a look. Uh, And Joe Brady from the NFL um, side of things. Green Bean, what about you? What uh, names would you like to see the Jets bring in? Uh, I forgot a Greg Roman. Why is Matt snubbing my boy? Oh, my God. I can't believe – (laughs) no, I can't. Uh, it's funny that Greg Roman, nor Greg Roman or Wink uh, Martindale got got a request just yet. And I, I think that really lends itself more to they already know them or so. You know what I mean? It's just not, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't maybe they don't need to do that right away or something. I, I don't know. But I would imagine the guys that Matt mentioned, Campbell, Fitzgerald uh, and the like would also uh, with Roman uh, especially will get. Um, request for interviews because uh, I think they're good candidates, but it would be really funny if all the guys we were talking about for the past two months don't even get called like, no, we don't like any of those. I don't know all these reports that we get from Samini or cause you know, whatever fucking Canizero. It's just like, no, they don't know anything. Just don't listen to those guys. You know, that'd be kind uh, of funny. Wouldn't it? I, so you brought up a good name. I like Greg Roman. Uh, I'm okay that his name hasn't been brought up because there are a lot of other guys that I, I do like maybe possibly ahead of him. Uh, I like Matt saying Campbell for sure and uh, and Joe Brady. Pat Fitzgerald, I like. I don't know if he's – I don't I don't think he's coming out of college. I, I think he would come out for the Bears job, so I think I could see him holding out for that eventually. Um, for me, it's, it's Jim Harbaugh for sure as far as like, you know, Campbell and Harbaugh are the two that I think from the college ranks that I'd like to see get interviews. Uh, Harbaugh, I know that the whole stigma of he doesn't play well with others, but I, I don't know. I, for me, when you look at a team like the 49ers that had so many losing seasons prior to him getting there, and then him just having such an explosive first three years, the the final year was, I think, 8-8, eight and eight, so not like fantastic, but 8-8. Eight and eight. For Jet fans, I'm pretty sure we'd take that right now, you know, 
we haven't been eight and eight in god how many years since 2015 yeah, like something like that stupid um i would yeah. like jim harbaugh i think his the little bit of you know negative like press that he's gotten from his time at michigan i think is a little bit overblown um that said he's still not my top option either i would say dable campbell and then Harbaugh. If we're looking for like a CEO guy that could run the entire offense, and then who knows, maybe that's a situation where you pull Greg Roman over if he wants to work under uh, Jim again. So we'll see. Interesting uh, interesting questions for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I saw another one in here. Bam. Chris Bucco. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, hold on, let me just eh, stretch that out. He says, Campbell or Fitzgerald is my choice. Also, Wilson is still QB2 for me. He is more cerebral, or he is a more cerebral quarterback, and the character concerns have already been dismissed by Schefter. Has the leadership and the moxie for New York. I think there's definitely something to be said for someone that is getting drafted to New York. Sort of needs to have a different type of personality, like a, a little bit of a swagger. That's why I kind of like Baker when he was coming out. I think he had the ability to like sort of roll with the media. Sam has a great personality for like the completely opposite reasons. And I do like that. It's more like the Eli Manning sort of approach, a very calm, stoic demeanor. For Wilson, I wouldn't mind it. I Again, I don't have him as my QB2 anymore. I think Fields, for me, is the QB2. I'm, what worries me about Wilson is really the injuries. I know the he doesn't seem to have lost velocity from the two torn labrums, but I'm I'm a little concerned that injury could be a, could be a concern with him, I guess. Um, Campbell and Fitzgerald, I like both of them. I, I really do. Uh, Fitzgerald's interesting. I think I like Campbell more than I like Fitzgerald, but I wouldn't be upset with either one of those hires. I think going the college route smarter. We're going to have a really young team, so it might be worth our while to go with someone who's a little more dialed into the college game. Uh, Matt, what do you think about Campbell, Fitzgerald? I know you really like Wilson. Uh, do you think there's anything to be said for the type of demeanor that a quarterback or a head coach needs to come into New York? Yeah, I think you have to be a certain kind of uh, person to come in here and, and handle it. And, you know, it, it's always it's a tough thing. Like we thought, well, and I still think that Sam Donald is good with the New York media and uh, it just didn't work out here for other reasons. But I agree with you with uh, Baker Mayfield. I think he had that potential to be like a star in this city. And I, I think both, either Fields or Wilson would be fine in New York based on everything I know about them and what I've seen from them uh, and, and their play. Um so I, I'm cool with Wilson being a quarterback too. I think that's a completely reasonable take. If you like fields better, honestly, I think you get there interchangeable. So uh, I'm good with either one of those guys at two and with Campbell and Fitzgerald. I, I also like them both. Campbell to me has a slight edge. He's similar to rule built up two college programs, got Iowa state really competitive every year. Uh, and I thought he coached a really good game in the Fiesta bowl too. Um, so uh, I would be thrilled if he somehow agrees to not only interview, but then take this job. That would be huge. Greenbeam, what do you think about Campbell, Fitzgerald, Campbell and Fitzgerald, and then Wilson as quarterback too? And is there anything to the whole personality that you need to have coming into New York, either as a head coach or as a quarterback? Yeah, I think there's definitely a personality, you know, and sadly, I thought Sam's cool demeanor was going to be good for it. And I think it's outwardly, it still looks like that, but I think that he might be a little soft uh, for the onslaught. Remember the comment he said, like, look, I have social media too, guys. Remember that? Like, in other words, like I see that the fan base is turning on me and that can't feel good. Um, 
you know? So, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel so bad for him. But so while I thought that that was a good personality, like a contrasting personality, like just somebody to let it roll off your back, uh, I might have been incorrect on there on how he absorbs it because that could have had an impact on him as well. I think it's a good idea uh, to have somebody with, with a little bit of swagger. I don't love the word swagger. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but it's, uh, it's a good one to use here. Uh, so I think somebody ha ha that has that is going to be good here, especially if they're successful, kind of like, you know, screw you, I'm New York kind of a thing. It fits. Um, but as far as uh, Matt Campbell, here's my thoughts on, on Matt. I agree with everything Matt said. I thought the Fiesta Bowl was a blast to watch. He made some really important adjustments, uh, ad adjustments at the half, which were incredible. Uh, and uh, so I, I really love I did a lot of research on him, you know, what he did over at Toledo University. The guy I mean, he 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 took programs that were the place where people go to die and he made them into champions, man. Like that's that's what he's doing over there. Um, so I like him. I think that if he accepts the interview, we're going to we're going to get him that's how i feel i don't think he's going to take the interview i really feel that way and we haven't heard um anything come out of the jets about mac campbell we've heard uh people say you know with people linked to the knowledge of the thinking of the new york jets like that that friggin statement those are the guys saying that mac campbell it's believed that joe douglas likes mac campbell we haven't heard anything fit like really all that strong so um I'm waiting for that name, and I think he would be great. I like Fitzgerald, too. I just started looking into him. He's a similar personality in, like, they, they kind of take no shit, really, but they're not jerk-offs about it. You know what I mean? Um, so, anyway, I think they would be great. I would I would love Matt's, uh, Matt Campbell's my favorite one. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he would be the best choice for us, but uh, I don't know if he's going to take it. If he takes it, we got him. So, speaking of Swagger and Zach Wilson – the dude brought two BYU cheerleaders to his senior prom. Ball out, brother. Ball out. Ah, I love it. Yeah. We got two Florida that was YouTubers the moment I in the chat. I saw, right from there. <laughs> we got two Florida YouTubers in the chat. I saw UCF Jaguar just pop in. He's a big old jerk, taking that whole number one pick from us. And then we got Bucks Nason dropping in saying, love the live stream, <laughs> boys. Thank you guys so much for popping in. It means a lot that you guys uh, stop in from time to time. V-Man saying, true or false, is the first player signed in Jets history in the Hall of Fame? Or who is the first player signed in Jets history in the Hall of Fame? Also, can't wait to see who the Jets hire. We are heading up, says Vinny. Uh, true or false? True or false is the first player signed in Jets history. Oh, is the first player signed in Jets history in the Hall of Fame? Wait. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I do not know this. I think V-Man's asked me this before. I want to say it's true. Do you know who it is? Uh, I, I think it's Could Don Maynard. I thought it was Don Maynard. Uh, I, wrong. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know the answer to that question. I see people saying it's true, so I will uh, go with that. I think that makes uh, it seems like know. it makes sense. Good question. Vinny's good with questions. we got to get him some questions on here. All right, guys, if you want to get your shot to win a hat, shirt, or mug at the end of the show, I'm going to give away a shirt. All you have to do is go down into the description. There is a link to Green Bean's new YouTube channel. All you have to do is subscribe to him and leave a comment on his most recent video and just say, how many times have the Jets had the number, uh, had a top two pick in the past? 
drop a subscription over there. Let us know what number subscription you are in the little chat. It's kind of cool to watch that pop up as it goes. But we'll give we'll give a shirt away at the end of the stream. So let's go back a little bit to the head coaching rumors and let's talk about who we would like to see from the current list. Or or maybe how about this? Who would we not like to see? Let's let's rank them in order. We'll go what's our least favorite candidate of the group of candidates that we saw? Green Bean, I'll throw it to you first. Of the ones that of the interviews announced, you mean Ryan? Yes. Yep. Which one do you like the least? Yeah. Uh, B enemy. The least is B enemy for the reasons I outlined. Again, I'm not throwing stones. I think at this point, we're just talking about the magnitude of positives as, mm-hmm. as you know, in, you know, as a, you know, uh, what the fuck's the word I'm looking for? Um, as opposed to their negatives. You know what I mean? I just, I'm looking at who's the strongest candidate and B enemy out of that list seems to be the least strong to me. So there it is. Matt, what about you? What's your, who's your least favorite candidate? Brandon Staley. Uh, he was coaching D3 football just four years ago. Um, he was the outside linebacker coach for Chicago for uh, what? Three, two, three seasons before taking over as the defensive coordinator for the Rams. He, he needs more time. I, I'm really all good with Staley. Yeah, I was going to say Staley's the one that I don't like uh, the most of, of the list. He wasn't a real popular name, I don't think. I believe he was he followed Vic Fangio, right? He went to the Bears, and then he went to uh, Denver as a linebacker's coach, and now he's the defensive coordinator for the Rams. And, man, it's really hard to look good when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey back there. So, right. for me, that's that's my my least favorite. Then I would probably say the enemy uh, with Green Bean, I think... Yeah, that would probably be my next one. And then maybe after that, what do you guys think of, uh, what is it, Eberflus, the the defensive coordinator for the the Colts? I actually, if we had to hire a defensive coordinator, I would say Martindale and Eberflus are two guys that I would actually be okay with. Um, I don't love the idea of going defensive coordinator, uh, and I'm a little upset that we haven't seen Robert Sala's name yet. I think that's a, a good name that we should have in there. But... Yeah. Eberflus is interesting because he's a linebackers coach. He came from Dallas. Dallas had some great years with him with DeMarcus Ware. He coached up a ton of linebackers in his time there. And then he comes over to the Colts. He was actually hired by Josh McDaniels. And then when McDaniels backed out of the Colts job, the Colts ownership group decided like, Hey, no, we're going to hold on to this guy as our defensive coordinator. And Frank Reich came in and like, all right, yeah, I guess we're going to keep this guy. And it worked out great. They were, I want to say they were like 30th in the league in like scoring and defense and pass defense and all that. And then just in one year, they jumped up to, I, I believe it was top 10 in like all those categories. And seven of the 11 starters had been retained from one year to another. So he just got way more out of the guys that he had around him, plus the addition of four extra players. And that defense was a top 10 unit. So for me, that is a guy that knows how to utilize the talent on that team and get the most out of them. And while I don't necessarily love the, you know, the side of the ball that he's coaching on, I think that's a really important trait to look at. Uh, Greenbean, have you done any research on Eberflus, and what do you think of him if you have? Well, very little, but I know he comes from Toledo. Uh, sadly, not the same. No, not comes from, but that's where he kind of cut his teeth. Uh, coaching sadly not with Matt Campbell I was looking for some interesting little connection there 
uh, but not too much. The, the the only thing I really worry about with these guys uh, is whether or not they f- have that um, ability to become the CEO. I'm really happy hearing like actual words from the Jets organization that match what the fan base really has been saying in large part for a long time. And that's we want somebody to be our head coach. We're, we're getting tired of Rex Ryan or Todd Bowles or Adam Gase, these guys that they don't even give a shit about the other side of the ball. Like, I don't know. That's his job kind of a thing. You, you know, we really want somebody that's a head coach. And I just I don't know if Eberflus has that ability yet. Um, I look forward to looking into him, but I do like him. I like what he's done. Uh, and I like him as a coach. So I look forward to digging in and seeing how I feel about his ability to be that CEO. I just don't know if that's the case yet. Uh, nose kills coming in with a super chat saying for weeks, I was baffled when you talked about offensive quarter <laughs> coordinator named Eric, the enemy <laughs> as, as head coach candidate, some rapper turned coach turns out it was the enemy. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a head coach called Eric, the enemy though. No question. Go Jets. I, I believe it was uh, was it was it Chris Berman who gave him the the uh, the nickname "Sleeping with the Enemy." <laughs> I like when I saw that. I was like, "Oh man, it's like actually pretty funny." You could have some fun with his uh, with his name. Did you guys ever screw up a name? And uh, actually, I don't know really where I'm going with that. <laughs> I just I it, it's funny. Like the the enemy. Uh, what is there any rapper name? that like yeah the enemy the enemy i don't know I, i'm not going anywhere fast with this i gotta i gotta switch subjects <laughs> let's let's go back uh all right <laughs> so I, let's talk a little bit about the 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 whole douglas press conference a little bit ago uh what was it, a few hours ago and he was talking about how like we're all on the same page with the head coach. We want to we want to look for a guy that has integrity, leadership, um, communication. Do you think these are? Uh, I guess I'll go back to the the head coaching rumors. Do you think these are um, faults that Adam Gase had, and that's why he's bringing them up, or do you think it's just something that you know we'd look for either way? Matt, I'll throw it to you first. Um, I, I think it's. I'll, I'll say it like this. Usually what tends to happen when you fire a, a coach is you like to go with kind of the opposite of what the last person was. So like, for instance, yeah. Eric and Jeannie was like very like CEO by the book. Then Rex comes in all loud and boisterous and saying, well, I'm not going to kiss Belichick's rings and get Todd Bowles. Who's quiet and, and more relaxed. And Gase is kind of the outlier in this situation, I think. But, um, he to the opposite of him would be that CEO type because he literally came out and said, I only care about the offense and uh, Greg is going to coach the defense. So uh, I guess that in a way would be kind of like the exact opposite. So um, I, I'm not surprised because I, I agree. I do think that's what the Jets <laughs> need. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's the direction Joe Douglas goes, but I do think that he has value on, uh, you know, someone who could oversee everything. Kind of. Greenbean, what did you think about, uh, Douglas's comments earlier saying we're looking for a coach with integrity, leadership, communication. Were those stabs at uh, at Gase, you think? Uh, no, I, I think um, I think he's just saying the things. He's like, he's saying the, 
the words that are going to get him in least in the least amount of controversy. Uh, I mean, these are you could almost say what he's going to say beforehand, and it's pretty close. You know what I mean? Whether it's about a player, I don't know. Uh, I think that would be. I just I don't I don't see it. No, I don't. I think I see why people are people could see that, but I don't think that's the case. I think he's looking forward. I don't think he's throwing stones to his piece of dog shit coach that was just here. He also brought up. Uh, <laughs> You know, when asked about Sam Darnold and his future, he says Sam's a great quarterback. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. He was not committing to him being yeah. the the starter for next year. So I, I think that sort of gave me my answer. I do not think Sam Darnold is going to be here, and yeah. I don't think Joe Douglas necessarily wants him here. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts on, on hearing that from Douglas? Yeah, uh, he, he shouldn't commit to him one way or the other. You, you want to leave it as mysterious as you can going into the draft because that's how you maximize your value on whatever you want to do, whether it's trade the second pick or trade Sam Darnold. So um, I, I like this mindset, and I'm not reading too much into this one way or the other. Like I know a lot of people um, looked at Christopher Johnson's comments with Sam Darnold saying that he hopes he's here next year as, oh, my God, they're going to bring Sam Darnold back. Can we like pump the brakes for a second? I, I think it's going to be okay. Just let them hire yeah. and coach first. Let Joe Doug Joe Douglas has a plan. Like trust in Joe. Forget about the front office in the ownership and stuff like that for a second. Forget about all the other nonsense with Gase. Just let Joe Douglas go to work. Like I trust this guy. Greenbean, what'd you think about Douglas not committing to uh, Sam Darnold for next year? Yeah. All right. I think here's a couple things. One is. Uh, did you hear Chris Johnson say, number one, he hates, I'm sick of losing. I'm sick of losing. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Number two, and this is the most important thing that he said in the past few days. Joe Douglas is the GM we have been looking for. Okay, don't forget. We have well over a decade now of really botching GM hires, reaching out to outside organizations, just admitting we know nothing about this and the one time they did try to stick their nose into it we got uh adam gase so um the fact that chris johnson is saying those things joe douglas is the man dude he's the boss he's the boss of the football thing now he's not going to he's not an idiot remember with uh jamal adams wait jamal's a stud we want him here for uh jamal to be a jet for life he knew then he wasn't keeping him he's saying the same things about Sam Darnold now. He's like, look, he's why would you ever throw a stone at this guy? Why? He is such a consummate team guy. He takes everything on him on his chest. Um, and there's there and there's no reason to say anything negative about him, even if you're planning on 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 moving on from him. There's just and then there's the trade value and all that sort of stuff. But don't forget, guys, I made that video almost a year ago now with that little bullshit that I heard. Everybody told me I was full of shit, that I'm an asshole. Everybody say, including the two guys I'm sharing this panel with, said, you're crazy, man. This ain't real. I said, I know. I don't believe it either, but I heard it. So the, the, the rumor was back then, and it's not even that good of a source, but that Joe Douglas never even wanted Sam Darnold. That's not who he wanted, and he, and he didn't want Gase. He didn't think these were the guys to move forward with. That said, he's going to be a pro. Remember in his last presser at week eight? Do you think Adam Gase is part of the solution? Yes. You think he didn't know already? He's moving off. Of course he did. 
but he's a professional. We have a we have an adult in the room, everybody. He's not going to give him uh, the headlines. He's not going to do it. He's going to play it close to the vest, and we should be happy about that. So what do you guys think? I, I have to give you credit because when you said that Sam Darnold was going to get traded, I was like, you're so full of it. He's our franchise quarterback. We're not going to be that bad. There's no way we're getting the you know top yeah. two pick. I think at the time we had said like the only way we move on from him is if we get Trevor Lawrence. And like, who would have thought we would be in contention for Trevor Lawrence literally up until week 16 of this of this year? No one thought that. And Green Bean was first to call it out. So props to Green Bean. Guys, if you want to get your shot to win a hat, shirt, or mug at the end of this stream, all you got to do is go in the description down below, click on the top link. You'll see Green Bean's new channel. All you have to do is click on that and subscribe to him and leave a comment under his most recent video. And you'll get entered to win a hat, shirt, or mug at the end of this stream. All right. NY Jets Tales. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says... Anyone on this panel think Darnold can follow in Tannehill's footsteps and become a legitimate quarterback without Gase around? Matt, your thoughts? Maybe. Um, I do want to say this, though, because uh, I see the Ryan Tannehill comparison a lot. Ryan Tannehill never was as bad as what Sam Darnold was this year. And I... I it sounds like I'm such an anti-Darnold guy, and I don't want to be. I'm just saying, like, what I, what I've noticed from this year. Like, I, I don't want to be known as the anti-Sam guy. That's not what I want to be. But just if I look at the numbers, it, he would never was as bad. Tannehill, that is, was never as bad as what Sam was this year. And if you combine all their starts under Gase, Tannehill has the better numbers. So you could say he's the he was the better player. And, yeah, he got saved post-Adam Gase. Again, maybe Sam Donald does get saved somewhere else, but I would say the chances of that are pretty slim because it looks like the damage has been already done, unfortunately. Matt brought up uh, Tannehill stats beforehand. Just so you guys know, the year before Adam Gase got there in 2014, uh, Tannehill's year before Gase was there, uh, I don't remember what the Jets' passing record is for a franchise. It's like just over 4,000 yards. But Tannehill had 4,045 yards, 27 touchdowns, which is three short of the Jets' all-time record in a single season. So he Tannehill would have been the best quarterback in our franchise's history pretty much prior to Gase getting there. Sam, in his three years here, has not even sniffed that. And his years prior to that, 3,900 yards the year before with 24 touchdowns. Like That's how much better Tannehill was than Sam prior to that. Uh, Greenbean, your thoughts on if Darnold can turn into Tannehill without Gase? Well, I'll just dovetail with Matt's comments. And so he's absolutely right. Sam, uh, Tannehill was never this bad. And don't forget, Tannehill had three years with a very talented offensive mind in Philbin before Gase got there. Like, that didn't work out, but he had a legitimate offense, uh, offensive teacher uh, teaching Tannehill for the first few years as he transitioned from wide receiver it was, right? Tannehill was a wide receiver uh, playing quarterback. So um, I think Darnold has a a bigger hill to climb but is also much younger than Tannehill was when he left. I think the comparisons are legit, but they are different circumstances. Where Tannehill left, sat for five games, I think it was, and then came in off you know off the bench and was really good. I think Sam is going to need 
a little more time. It's not, it's not the same. Like Sam is damaged, man. His, in his, in, in his, the prime years for him to grow 20 years old, we got him 20 years old to 23. He was essentially beaten up and battered and abused. Uh, honestly, that's what happened to him in many ways. Uh, so I think it's going to take him more time, but I, I like what Matt said. Maybe like, I feel the same way. I do believe in him. I do. I think at 23, he's definitely uh, redeemable, but uh, it's going to take a very specific track record. Somebody intelligent that knows that if one of these teams trade a second and want to start him right away, I think they're going to be very disappointed. And sadly, Sam's career will end prematurely. I really like Sam and I hope he can be redeemed. I'm kind of with you guys. I think that Sam should sit for a year, kind of rework his mechanics. I think the 49ers are a really interesting landing spot for him. Uh, maybe he sits behind Jimmy G for a year, or maybe they move on from Jimmy G and he just sort of, you know, maybe they, they start with Sam, who knows, but I, I think he's going to have to rework his mechanics and kind of get his, get his confidence back. Uh, HV 8019 says, which backup quarterback you want mentoring a new quarterback? Uh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I guess for me, it kind of depends on who our head coach is and the sort of system that they're looking to bring in. Because if you're telling me we're getting Dable and Dorsey, then I think there's an argument. Uh, I don't like it, but I think there's an argument for Cam Newton, uh, who worked under, Ken Dorsey in Carolina and won MVP there. So I could see that. I think Cam Newton's done. I don't, I wouldn't want it to be anywhere near him. Um, but I think that, you know, could be an option, I guess. Flacco, if Greg Roman comes in, Flacco at least knows Roman and could at least sort of show him some of the ropes. I think that would be an interesting backup quarterback. He's already with the team. So that's an easy sort of fit for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. What what other quarterbacks are around the league that you would like to see the Jets bring in as a as a backup? Are we talking Ryan Fitzmagic or Jameis Winston or someone crazy like that? Matt, talk to me. Who do you who are you looking at? It also depends on who the quarterback is. I feel like that has to play a role in it cuz if you if you draft Zach Wilson, maybe you're not bringing in Cam Newton, but uh for mm-hmm. Cam Newton is supposedly uh Justin Fields' mentor. I did see that somewhere. Uh mm-hmm. but I, I'm really I'm not a big cam guy. Uh, so I don't know if I would like that. I, I think like Joe Flacco would make sense. Like a, like a veteran who isn't really a threat of taking your job. Like Jameis Winston would be a, a threat because he's been a starter in this league for a while. Um, I see Teddy Bridgewater in the chat. That's actually a really good, that's a good one. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is another guy that I love uh, in that kind uh-huh. of role. Um, maybe like a, AJ McCarron kind of like just guy who's been through the league knows what it's like. Someone like that. I don't want a big like flashy name, like Cam Newton necessarily. I like Tyrod Taylor. That's a great name for me because he's worked with Greg Roman before. So if Roman's coming in, that would make more sense to me. I think Tyrod Taylor and he's efficient enough. Like he's not going to turn the ball over. He's not necessarily going to lose you games. He may not win you games, but he's not going to like put the ball in jeopardy. Uh, so that's that's a good answer. I'm, I'm going to change my answer to that. That's a good one. Uh, Greenbean, what do you think in terms of backup quarterback mentoring our new quarterback? Well, I like what, what Matt said, and, and I'm a big believer in this. Like when I was younger, it was really an interesting thing with uh, the three quarterbacks on the roster. Teams liked to have their starter 
and then a backup that was totally different. Like, so they would have a Ken O'Brien or something. Then you'd have Jeff Blake. And it was like, you know, it was like this contrast and they never made sense. I understood like, you know, trying to get different players on the field, maybe for B team and all that sort of stuff. But it really makes a lot of sense to have a quarterback that could come in and work the same offense in the same way as your starter. So it really would depend on who you want to bring in. So, like, obviously, if you bring him field, somebody like Cam Newton is going to be great uh, for him. Now, conversely, if you bring in Zach Wilson, if you if you sign Zach Wilson or draft Zach Wilson, um, maybe somebody like AJ McCarron. Or, or, or keeping Flacco. See, the thing is, people, and people are saying it in the chat now, Flacco is not the best mentor. He's not. He openly mm-hmm. said with Drew Locke, like, I'm not here to mentor this guy. I, I, and, and I get it. And that's not really a problem for me because we're supposed to have coaches. The, thing, the reason why it's a problem here is because we don't have any fucking coaches. We don't have a quarterback coach. We don't have an offensive coordinator. But if we have actual coaches, it doesn't matter. The, the backup quarterback needs coaching too. He's not supposed to be coaching anybody. He's supposed to be working on his craft. Obviously, we want him to be able to mentor a little bit, but that's, it's not so glaring of an issue when you have a strong coaching staff, which is what we want. So I think it really does depend on, on the coach, like you said, and ultimately the quarterback that we, that we uh, draft or sign or whatever. I like some of the names that are coming up in the chat. I see Chad Henney in there, Matt Moore. Uh, Mariota is the one I really like. If he gets cut by the Raiders, that's the guy I'm going after for sure. I like Mariota a whole lot. I He's got one year left on his contract. It's I don't know if it's fully guaranteed, but they can save the entirety of that next year uh, on Mariota. So I, I think they're at a weird tipping point where they could either roll with Carr or they could try to roll with Mariota. I think Mariota actually ran that offense better than Carr did when we saw the little bit of him. Uh, in there, I see a Kaepernick note in there. That's not happening. I think Kaepernick's too far out of the league at this point to really come back. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is interesting, but I don't know how Teddy Bridgewater would get here. He's got two more years left on his deal, and I don't want to trade for him. So <laughs> that's, I guess you could, yeah, I guess you, you hope he gets cut if they get someone new. Um, it'd be interesting. Uh, Mumtaz says, we should be scared of overrating Justin Fields based on bowl games. Jameis Winston, Vince Young, and even Jamarcus Russell are all warnings. Let's think twice before giving up on Sam. He had no support. Uh, I, I completely understand the, the whole bowl game fear. I, I think that is a legitimate fear. But if you look at... You know what? Let me pull this up. Because I had a... There was a comment on Jet Nation. Let me see if I can even find it now. Uh, that kind of compared Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence between the two. But I'll, I'll let you guys talk while I look for that. Matt, what do you think about the like overhyping of Justin Fields based on bowl games? Um, I don't necessarily think it's an overhyping based on the bowl games. Uh, I think people soured on him after a couple of uh, tough games this year, and I might have been guilty of that to a, a smaller extent. I still liked him as a, as a prospect, but... Um, I, my opinion definitely swayed on him a little bit after uh, that performance against uh, Northwestern. But um, I, I I think you have to look more at a quarterback's traits and what they've done over their full collegiate career and a full season instead of looking at just a one particular game. So I think most of the reason why a lot of people have him as a quarterback too in this draft is based on everything that he's done, not just that one game. And 
with the not giving up on Sam thing, I, I just, I don't know how we can ha- keep having this conversation. Greenbean, what about you? What do you think about overrating Justin Fields based on bowl game performances? Well, that's what I'm doing. So anyway, is it wrong? That's what I, that's <laughs> a, totally what I'm doing. Let me tell you something. Uh, as you guys know, I'm critical of running quarterbacks. doesn't matter uh, what university they come from or whatever, which they're that, you know, I factor that in, but that's not the main thing for me. I dislike quarterback uh, running heavy quarterbacks. They don't last traditionally in this league. There are a handful, but it's like overall they, they brought, they burn bright and then they, and then they wither. Um, overall. So I just, that's scary to me. And I'm old too. I like a good old fashioned six foot six pocket passer. Uh, I like that. I like, you know, I like, you know, if they need to run for the first, they clod real heavy steps and they get the four yards. Like that's the guy I like Um, zipping the ball, real strong arm. So, but i tell you what, man, that game, I watched that game with you two guys and like 800 other people, but I was those deep balls. I was thinking to myself, God damn, like they look so effortless and fluid. And and I think if you get him with the right coach, that kid's going to, I mean, he's got more potential to be great than a lot of people I've seen. And that game turned me around, man. I'm still not all the way there on him, but shit, I'm overrating him because of that game. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it, quite frankly. So I, I everything I've heard from Justin Fields, dating back to to last year was he was going to be quarterback two in this draft and when I started doing a little bit of digging into him I looked at his game against Indiana where he had the three interceptions and I thought I came away looking at that game you know actually pretty impressed with how everything everything went all said and done and then watching the Northwestern game that scared me a little bit then I kind of figured out that their their pass defense was you know elite I'm like, all right, you know, he was without Chris Olave. I think they were missing like 20 starters or something like that. It was something stupid or 20 players across the board. It was like ridiculous. But then I saw his bowl game, you know, against Clemson. I was like, wow, this is special. Like that, the dimes he was throwing like bomb wise was just absolutely awesome. Uh, I couldn't find the stats, but what's interesting is, and I'll make a video on it, you know, soon, I'm sure, is the statistics between... Justin Fields' two years as a starter compared to Trevor Lawrence's last two years as a starter. So this obviously omits his freshman year where he won the national title game. But when you're looking at the two in sort of an equal you know, range, it's, it's fascinating to see just how close they are. Because yards-wise, touchdown-wise, interception-wise, they all kind of make sense. Um, oh, you know what? Hold on. Maybe I think I got it right here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So get this. Trevor Lawrence has 58 touchdowns the last two years. Okay. Justin Fields has 56. So he, he's one, two behind him. Lawrence has 12 interceptions. Fields has eight. Completion percentage for Trevor Lawrence, 67-2. Completion percentage for Fields, 68.9. Yards per attempt. They are both at 9.2, and then Trevor Lawrence is 9.26, Fields is 9.25, so literally a hundredth of a yard less. Rushing touchdowns, uh, Lawrence has 16, Fields has 15. Overall records, this is prior. This is all prior to the to the most recent bowl game. This is this was taken just before the uh, the Clemson Ohio State game. 
23 and one for Trevor, 19 and one for Justin Fields. And then when you go back, uh, four of the six defenses that Fields faced this season are in the top 31 nationally in terms of yards per pass attempt, while Lawrence has faced just one in his nine games. In 2019, Fields faced seven top 30 defenses, while Lawrence faced three. Texas A&M, Ohio State, and LSU, none of which uh, were even in his own conference. Uh, and then surprisingly, according to Pro Football Focus, over the course of the last two seasons, Justin Fields has gotten a 92.4 and a 92, whereas Lawrence has a 91.5 and a 91.1. Then we go back to the whole Elite 11 camp that we brought up the other day, when both Fields and Lawrence went there out of high school. It's, you know... They get all the big prospects, all the big quarterbacks. And Fields actually won MVP over Trevor Lawrence. So there is a little bit of, you know, I think they're a lot closer than people give him credit for. Now, Lawrence is the prototypical size of six foot six. He doesn't take the shots that Fields has taken. But I think there there's something to be said for, you know, really realizing that Fields would go number one. If 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 Lawrence was not in this draft. Fields is going number one. So if you're trying to, you know, make excuses for for Fields based on bowl games and things like that, I think that's kind of a mistake. I think he's a lot better than people are giving him credit for. Um, just interesting. Do you think any of those stats that I just sort of rattled off, you know, mean anything? Is it, you know, am I overlooking it? Do college stats not mean anything? Because I know Geno Smith, I think his last year he had like 50 touchdowns, but everything was passed like five yards. <laughs> it was to Tavon Austin and, and Bailey, and they were running all over the place. So, Matt, what do you think about, you know, all that, you know, being said? Um, yeah, it's it's tough because I feel like each circumstance is a little bit different, especially in college. So it's hard to compare players like that. Um, but I, I really think that it's, it's kind of showing you just how good this quarterback class is. That's how I took it now. I don't, I don't know about you, but right. my, my takeaway from it is just how many really good quarterback prospects are in this class. Like everyone talks about uh, Trevor Lawrence as this great prospect, which I believe he is, but Justin Fields isn't too far off. And I don't have Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson's right there also. And you can make the case for him being quarterback too. So I, I'm really, um, you know, not super surprised to hear you rattle off those numbers and it being closer than maybe anticipated by some people. Cream Bean, what do you think about the numbers I just rattled off? Yeah, I'm, Matt just stole my point, as is standard uh, a lot of the time. He, uh, it, Dude, this quarterback class is one of those quarterback. These guys are actually good, in my opinion. It's like last year's tackle class, you know? It's like you have to pay attention to this type of stuff as well. Like, sure, we could put this off. From what I'm seeing, next year's quarterback class isn't supposed to be as beefy as this one, just like this year's tackle class. This year we have Sewell up there. Everybody's Sewell, Sewell, Sewell. Last year we had four Sewells, okay? Four Sewells up there. So it was a good idea to take one of them because it's a – it looks like you're you're more likely to get a hit if you take it in a better, you know, like when the class is strong for that. This is the year for a quarterback. That actually does surprise me. For a long time, I knew about Trevor Lawrence. As you guys know, I'm very specific in my college ball. I don't know so much about all the teams in the in the you know in the in the Big Ten and like I I just I look at the ACC. I watch some SEC. You know what I mean? So like, that's kind of where I am. And then when the draft goes around, I do lots of research on guys. So I can't, 
you know, really say that I've known all about uh, fields for as long as I've known about Trevor Lawrence. Now that's just media shit, but I remember when he was a freshman uh, here and like, I mean, reading about him, like, damn, I wish we could, uh, you know, end up getting that kid. And I think that goes a long way toward why, when we were almost had him, it was like, Oh my God, like the dream, you know, so that, that, you know, there's a lot of marketing, a, a very important aspect of, of all this stuff. And, uh, you know, um, uh, awareness about certain people. But the stats actually did surprise me when I looked at that stuff. I'm like, wow, they're they're parallel, man. They're pretty close. And like you said, Ryan, in any other year, Justin Fields goes number one. And so why does Trevor Lawrence being in this draft take away the validity of drafting Justin Fields? It shouldn't be that if Trevor Lawrence is better. Great. That doesn't make Justin Fields suck. You know what I'm saying? And that's, I think, what a lot of people do. It's like this black and white thing. If I say Justin Fields is good, I must be saying Trevor Lawrence isn't. And it's that's not true. Or Zach Wilson, for that matter. You could think they're all fucking good. It's, it's just our rules, man. I make the rules for who I want to like. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, I think uh, I was surprised by that. But uh, I think, like I said, I'm on a Justin Fields kick right now. I don't know what it, I'm, I'm bugging out on this guy. So um, if the draft happened today, I'd like to see Fields taken at two. Who knows what will happen by the combine, though. We have a big old Bama game in the way now, don't we? So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we do. And there's actually um, a little bit of concern, I think, from what I was looking at. The uh, Hold on. Let me, let me find it real quick. Yeah, so there's a possibility that the, the OSU game could be postponed. Uh, according to Brett McMurphy, because of COVID issues at Ohio State, there has been discussions about postponing the college football title game until January 18th, uh, first reported by so-and-so, so-and-so. Re game remains scheduled for Monday right now. So it, that could change, uh, potentially. Now, let's see. Let's get back to a few Super Chats. Uh, Judy Montoro, thank you so much for the Super Chat. Uh, I don't see a question in there, but I, I appreciate it. I would throw it up on the screen, but we, we talked a little too long on the last topic. Uh, Max's NY Jets says, I've heard from Jets Talk News that Joe Douglas is allowing head coaching candidates to pick their own coordinators. Yes, that is huge. That is absolutely huge. It's something that I think all of us sort of expected after the last time around, and we saw you know, Matt Rule decline coming here because we tried to force – Greg Williams or whoever we wanted in terms of coordinators on him. The head coach should pick his coordinators. The GM should pick his head coach. The owners should write the checks. That's the power structure I want. We heard a little bit of stuff from uh, from uh, Chris Johnson yesterday saying they're actually taking that into consideration that the, the structure may change. It may go owner, GM, head coach, assistants. Uh, Matt, what do you think about the head coach picking his own coordinators? What a novel concept. Like, this isn't this how it's supposed to be? Uh, if only two years ago, the Jets allowed Matt Rule to pick his coaches, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now. Um, but no, seriously, like, this is, this is a good thing. This is a sign that they're learning from their past mistakes and that, like, hire a coach you trust and then let him do his own thing. Like, I don't understand how you can make this so complicated. Greenbean, what do you think about a head coach selecting his own coordinators? You know, again, Matt, it's just funny. You know, it's a funny thing. Imagine that. 
Imagine that. Now it's funny because my my podcast that I just put out today, I spent a lot of time on 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 deconstructing these announcements and everything. And the way that I I look at it is that they have to say things in a certain way to make things feel and look a certain way. Now Chris Johnson stuck his nose where it didn't belong two years ago. Uh, and and overrided, you know, first of all, Mike McCagnan was overridable, but so but Chris Johnson did all this stuff, and made all these decisions and they blew up in his face. OK, so now he doesn't want to go say, hey, I suck at this. I'm, I'm a spoiled rich kid and I've never done anything in my whole life. And now, uh, you know, uh, you know, so I'm just going to turn it over to Joe because clearly I'm in over my head. He's not going to say that he's going to go. We're we're assessing the validity of the value of such a you know, that's what he's doing. And let him do it, man. There's no way in hell Joe Douglas isn't in charge. And Joe Douglas knows there's no way in hell that you stuff coordinators down a coach's throat. It's dumb. You don't do it. Okay. Now, if they want the coordinator you're talking about, hey, man, I, I just want you to know I know these guys and they're willing to come for 10 bucks. What? Yeah, okay. I'll look at them. They look at them and say, dude, I love that guy. Great. But you don't go, you, you, if you're going to take the job, you have to have Gase as your offensive coordinator and Greg Williams as your defensive coordinator. The guy goes, yeah, rule said, fuck off, man. I don't want either one of those bums. You know, I want Joe Brady. Ah, Joe Brady sucks, but we're going to interview him in two years for our head coach. It's like, it's just all so silly. So I think it makes tons of sense. And I'm just, I'm in love with all of the blurbs coming out right now from these guys. We're going to consider the hierarchical change, that means a hierarchical change is happening, okay? They're considering it because there sucks. That's why, okay? Do you think Joe Doug – what are they considering? With who? What are they, well, who are they talking to? You think Joe Douglas – you're Joe. You think the guy you hire, we're, we're wondering if we could put him on the same level as you. Yes, that's what I want. I want the guy I hire to be my boss. That's what, what the fuck are we talking about? So I think – these little let them say it how they need to say it to save the shredlings of face and i won't even let them i don't even have to throw it at them fine consider it let us know when you're done considering it and we already know the answer it's fine the head coach should pick his coordinators the gm should pick his coach and that's the way and the and the coach should report to the gm and the owner should sit in the back and just play cool that's it and and sign checks man that's it you know what i mean so i think it's good I think it's stupid that we're even, you know, and this place where it's like, what do you think? You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, this is news. But it is news and it's good news. All right, guys, if you want your shot to win a hat, shirt or mug at the end of the stream, all you have to do is click in the description down below. There is a link to Green Beans new channel. All you got to do is sub them up and leave a comment under that video that's there. And let's switch it up a little bit. We were going with the, uh, you know, how many times have the Jets owned the number, you know, number one or number two pick in their history? I've seen Jerome Stacks in the chat dropping a bunch of nicknames. We have City Fields. We've got Just Incredible. If you got another nickname for Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, let, let's let's see what you can get under Green Beans video, uh, and we'll we'll allow all answers <laughs> for this. So if you if you got yeah. some good answers and you got uh, you know a sub, throw it over Green Beans way. We got over 700 people in here, 730 across all three platforms. So just bananas I, yeah uh joe i could use every says, one of those subs ryan i could every use single every one, one. If everyone in this like video right now goes over to green beans channel and subs him up we could break a thousand for him <laughs> we could we could do that i'm sure there's a few That's in right. here that have already subscribed but you could you guys could do that you guys could be that magic push yeah. uh joe Help s says look at what watson is doing with no support uh yeah that's a huge 
thing. Like, like Sam should have been able to show more. I know we didn't have the, the offensive line. I know we didn't have the, the weapons at the beginning of the season. But I think there's something to be said for young quarterbacks showing out with less than stellar situations. Joe Burrow was looking legit. Sam Darnold couldn't, you know, you know, he couldn't do anything this year. It was it was absolutely awful. And I don't know how much of that is entirely on play calling because we've seen plays from Adam Gase. That's one thing that we can't really knock him for. The play design itself, at least for the first half of the uh, of the games, were actually pretty good. We had guys running wide open, and Sam was just trigger shy, not pulling, not you know, not throwing the ball. Uh, so what do you guys think about Watson and his lack of support and, you know, compared to, to Sam, Matt, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah. That just goes to show how good Deshaun Watson is. He's, if he's not in your top five quarterbacks, I don't know what you're watching. Um, <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. I'm a huge fan, but, um, with, with Sam, that's just a, it's another indictment on Sam. And I'm not saying he even has to be at Deshaun Watson's level, but just to be at least at a, at a, NFL average level, we would have all signed up for that. If he was at an average NFL level, let's say, I don't know, let's say he played all 16 games, threw for 3,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, 12 picks. He's our quarterback for 2021. But the fact that he had, had what, nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions or something like that, that, that's why he's not coming back next year. He was on pace to throw for like 2,800 yards on the season. That's terrible. In 2020, it's so hard to do. So uh, it, it's unfortunate, but the wheels really fell off this year. And I think that's why, you know, we're, we're going to move on, but Watson's just talk about doing, you know, something with nothing. That's, that's Deshaun Watson. Greenby, what do you think about Watson and what he's been able to, to do compared to what Sam Darnold has done? I love Matt O'Leary. I just want to say that. I gotta stop uh, passing to Matt first. I gotta throw it to Green. I know often. it's just it's uh, right. It's really I know I, I didn't realize it until I keep saying that. I'm like, wow, Matt's going uh, first a lot. Uh, but it's um, I think that's fine. It's a fine. I like it. But um, I just I agree. I think Deshaun Watson Watson is so good. I like him better than the Dak Prescotts, uh, the Baker Mayfields. I think Dak is is. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Watson is just one of the best quarterbacks and yes he's a running quarterback i don't look at him as a run first quarterback though he's very mobile he's like on that line of where i wouldn't like someone but yeah man taking away deandre hopkins from that man is the biggest crock of shit that i've ever it's like it's just i don't know what possessed somebody to do that to break up that little arrangement they had going on but it took him a minute, but you look at him, man. He's so good. Now, we can get into some stuff in a minute. I don't want to take over the, the panel or anything. But there's a lot of talk about trading for Watson and what could be, and I have all kinds of theories for that. But let me tell you something. The Jets with, with Watson would make me very happy as long as we don't sell the farm to get him. I would love it. It's my fave. So I wanted – you know what? Let, let me do – Let's do this. Let, let, let's let's have a conversation about that right now. Then let's let me let me throw that up there. We'll go Watson trade question mark and let, let's let's have a little discussion about it. What do you guys think about Deshaun Watson and trying to get him? Is there a realistic possibility? that the Texans could actually be moving on from him. Like, I don't know where this rumor has started. It just kind of baffles me. It's such a hard position to get right, and it seems like they got a top-five guy. Like, why screw it up? Don't do that. Um, 
So, Greenbean, I guess give us your thoughts on uh, on the Watson trade. Well, the reason that they would is because, uh, number one, they blew it all up. So the the GM uh, is, is going to be new. The coach is going to be new. They're $30 million over the cap as it stands right now. They have no first or second pick. So they're in a very deep hole to attract anyone there. I think uh, Watson might be the only thing to attract someone, but there were some rumors, some rumblings that both him and J.J. Watt are unhappy in Texas or, you know, in Houston, let's let's say. So in the event they are looking to to move on from him, Everybody would already know that they're what getting rid of him is a move to be able to clean it all off and get out of the hole because $30 million over the cap and um, and no draft picks to build with is a problem is it for for a new head coach and a new GM and all that. What are they going to what are they going to do? You know, um, there's very little you can do in free agency. There's very little you can do in the draft, you know, in the uh, in the front end of the draft. So in the event they are willing to move him. I think that the most of the GMs are going to, especially our GM, Mike McCagna might not know this. He might go, Watson, I'll give you four firsts. You know what I mean? But I think Joe Douglas is going to know exactly the hole that they're in and be able to work it down because they're getting him off of the books might have the same value, especially in a quarterback class like this, when there are guys that really have a lot of potential. This is a deep quarterback class, even though the, the top four are in a different tier. Then the other guys, it is still deep. So who knows what they're going to want to do. But the fact ha- keeping a disgruntled guy for a new coach that happens to be expensive when you don't have any money could be a, an environment that that breeds a trade. And I think that if they do breed a trade, as soon as they make the call, you're just like we were talking about last week with Jacksonville. They make the call. You already know what they want. You know what I'm saying? You already know. So that drops their leverage. And if you're smart, you can play with that. So I think you can get Deshaun Watson for a second and Sam Donald or something like that. They take Sam, they take Mac Jones, and they start over with a new coach and they draft next year because they're going to suck. You know what I mean? But then they clean it off and they can start fresh kind of a thing. That was just an example. But, yeah, it's interesting. I'd love them. So – so explain to me real quick, what was the what do you think the Jets would have to give up in this trade? You're saying a second round pick and Sam Darnold to get it done? Yeah, and that might be a little light, of course, but I don't see Joe Douglas giving up, especially with Justin Fields and Wilson and Lance sitting there. It's like, you know, I'm not gonna give you that. That pick's worth more. So maybe like our second first or like that that we have a very high second too. So which a lot of people, you know, the old conversation, that's really a first or, you know, you have the last mm-hmm. third and that's really a fourth. You know, you know, how people do that. So technically speaking, our second is a, is a first round pick, you know, but who knows? But maybe we give him our our second first for Watson, which would be a steal, dude. You know what I mean? It would be a steal for him. Um, but I think you could probably even go lower because they're giving they're getting him off the books on top of that. Plus, they get a first-round pick, which they don't have. They don't have a first or second. The Texans won't even be there till the second half of day two of the draft, which is just incredible. That sucks. And then they got $30 million. They, they can't have no money to spend in free agency. So what are they going to do? You know what I mean? So I think you could get them for cheaper than normal this year. Matt, I think that uh, Green Bean is completely off his rocker because there's no way that... <laughs> <laughs> they would trade Deshaun Watson for that. If you could get, if you told me I could trade Sam Darnold and our second first round pick for Watson, I'm doing it a hundred times out of a hundred, and I'm trading at it too. Right, hundred so percent. I. I would say I would. 
it's tough because like I I like Watson. I would can I for me if I'm the Texans, I do not trade Watson unless I'm getting number two or unless I'm getting number one from the Jaguars. Like that's how I do that. And then you create the the you know all the picks and everything that you could possibly get. Um, if they're looking to clear money off the cap, I think more so than not, uh, you know, I think Watson, uh, you know, probably going to be an option. I think they'll try to move on from him. But Bill O'Brien's not there, Green Bean. We're not getting Watson for that kind of a steal. Yes, Matt, talk to me. Tell me, what would it take to get Watson, and would you be He's on board there. with it? I want Green Bean to know that I love him very dearly, but that was insane. <laughs> I cannot believe Sam Darnold in a second. Holy smokes. I I would do backflips if I was able to – if the Jets were able to pull that off, I would kiss Joe Douglas straight on the mouth. That would be tremendous stuff. Um, I, I really think from the Texans, Texans' point of view, there's no way that they trade him. I, I know their cap situation isn't good, and they don't have a ton of picks, but they're going to have to suck it up for right now, and then at that point, after you get through the next year or two of probably not playing good football, but you have the quarterback situation figured out. Like That's the toughest thing in this game to do. We've been trying to do it for how many years? The Browns before Baker Mayfield have been trying to do it for how many years? The Jaguars for pretty much their entire existence have been trying to do it for how many years? So once you get that asset, you need to keep it. So I don't think there's any way that they trade Deshaun Watson. They'll cut the entire roster and play with just 15 people before they trade Deshaun Watson. I think what I would do if I was Houston, I would look. Is It's Romeo Cornell was the one they interviewed halfway through. He was the interim head coach, I think. I would keep him on for one year, yeah. and I would say, you're coming back. We're going to retain you. I'm sure Watson has a semi-good relationship with him at this point, and then you fire him next year once you can reset everything. You have the draft picks. You look more attractive, and then Watson's like, okay, you know, he doesn't necessarily – like, if you try to get a head coach now, like, I think they are probably – if they're not the worst landing spot for a head coach, it's it's probably – it might be Detroit. Detroit might be the bottom of the barrel, and then, you know, the Texans are pretty close. Like, they're, they're hurting right now. No draft picks, no money. Like, what is a head coach going to come in? You're like, okay, hey, we're punting on a season. Like, that's what you're saying. And, and then what you're wasting a year of Watson. Like, for me, if the ownership group was smart, they'd roll with Cornell and then – reassess it next year uh multiples coming in with the super chat sup everyone first ryan congrats on eleven thousand subscribers thank you so much it means a lot it was nice to see that number click by uh and do you think a team like the colts or saints (laughs) could make a trade for sam yes yes absolutely i was making a video today i actually i shot the whole video and then i think i'm gonna scrap it and i gotta like (laughs) it sucks like I, i i didn't I didn't even sit down and edit it, but the Colts and the Saints are two teams that I think are definitely going to be interested about Sam Darnold, and I don't know what it's going to take to get him. The Colts, I love their offensive line. I love their head coach. He was able to work, you know, I don't want to say wonders with Carson Wentz, but he was able to do really well, Frank Reich, uh, with Carson Wentz, and they have some weapons over there. They got uh, Pittman, who Sam played with at USC as wide receiver, so that's interesting. I think the Saints are a team I really like. They're kind of my NFC team, and I would love to trade them for either Marshawn Lattimore or Ryan Ramchick, the right tackle, if you can't get a draft pick for them, uh, because both those guys are going into the last year of their deal. They're $90 million over the salary cap, and it could clear some space, and you're kind of you're moving on from, from Drew Brees. So I think that's really interesting for me. 
they're not going to be in position to take a good quarterback anyway. So why not roll the dice on Sam? In a year, you're probably hitting the reset button anyway. And if he sucks, you just have a high pick for the following year. So, Greenbean, what do you think about the Colts and the Saints as possibilities for a trade down or trade with Sam? I think they're two. Uh... I think they're two very positive landing spots. And don't forget, we, we have been trading with the Colts steady uh, since Joe Douglas got here, man. It's funny. I saw someone in Jet Nation, uh, you know, said if Eberflus comes, it'll really be great because then we can have this uh, steady pipeline to the defensive backs uh, of the Colts. And it's and that's a funny it's, – it's funny. It's like for some reason we have their entire sucky backfield uh, over here. But I think the, the – Lines of communication are open there. They have Philip Rivers. He's probably going to stay there for another minute or two. And I think he'd be great behind Philip Rivers. Sit there. He's got Frank Reich. One, you know, just a great – Frank Reich was one of the greatest backup quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Um, he started for us by desperation. Not so good. <laughs> he didn't do so good as a starter. Uh, but he was still – but he's one of those he's, – he's known as a great teacher, great motivator. Uh, you know, and I think that staff is, is, is very, very strong. So I think it'll be great for Sam. Yeah, and Sean Payton, you don't have to even mention it. We, everybody knows his prowess. And I think obviously Drew Brees, the Drew Brees, even more so than Rivers is one of those guys that would probably take Sam under his wing. And like, you know, I'm not the biggest fan on the need for mentor, uh, players like quarterbacks. I think that's the coach's job and it can be an, an also that's fine, but we shouldn't be depending on that. But having Drew Brees, he's the kind of guy I think at the twilight in the twilight of his career, they'll be like, "Come here, Sam. Let me let let me show you some stuff," and really take him under his wing. And I think they would both be really positive landing spots uh, for Sam Darn. Matt, what do you think about the Colts and the Saints as trade options with Sam? I I think both are realistic. I would say my my thing is I think that Carson Wentz is going to end up with the Colts. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fit for a veteran quarterback. I just don't think it's going to be Sam. I also would say the Bears are definitely a team that I would look at, and the 49ers are definitely a team that I would look at. Uh, I think though, if those four, with maybe the Panthers as number five, are my most likely landing spots for Sam. Yeah, I think out of the conference is, is big for me. So the Colts, like you said, I think um... – I think Wentz goes there. They're going to look to unload his salary. They might even have to eat some salary in a year that they don't have any salary cap, so it's it's a little wonky there. Or maybe Wentz decides to renegotiate his contract to, to facilitate a trade, so that, that's something that could happen. The Bears are an interesting option. I hadn't really considered them. San Francisco is where I think Sam's going to wind up going. I think that makes the most sense. You send him over to, to the West Coast where he's comfortable. You go under Kyle Shanahan. I don't think there's anyone better in the NFL to really work on grooming a, a, a young quarterback than than Shanahan over there um yeah you said what you said makes a lot of sense uh Jets take off thank you so much for the super chat I tried going through the chat to see what your question was but it says message retracted so just thank you so much and holy smokes multiples dropping his nuts on the table thank you so much for the super chat coming in with a $50 super chat holy cannoli uh he says okay you have me interested in Watson green bean we get Watson and a third Texans get a second in 2021, Sam Darnold, and maybe a third or a fourth in 2022. His contract will hold value, uh, will hold the value down since he's getting $150 million. 
Holy smokes. Right. Okay, so let's uh let's let's talk this out real quick. Let me let me jump over because this seems like we're you know what his cap hit, you know what his cap hit is? Hold on, you know what I'm, his cap I'm pulling it up right now. Years? He's yeah, got so it's low next year, so that's uh it's pretty good. Holy smokes. Okay, so yeah, his his, his cap hit sucks, cap but when you so get this, when he's traded though, so right now his cap yeah. hits for the Texans. Next year is gonna be sixteen million dollars. And then after that, it's going to be 40 million, 42 million, 34 million, 32 million uh, over the next five years. Now, if he is traded, that does change a little bit. Um, It's going to be, let's see, if he was traded next year, he would be worth 10.5 million. The year after that would be 35, then then 37 because he's got a roster bonus. Um, and then it would go down to 32 and 32 the final two years because the signing bonus does not transfer over. So the the money for the team to take him on is not horrible. Um, but man, oh God, if Watson was an option, could you imagine how big of a kick in the dick that would be? Like we could have had him in the draft and then, you know, he's only tw- like the, the kid's so right. young and <laughs> he's, he's playing well. Oh, if we could get him for that kind of haul, you do it 10 times out of 10. I, I don't see the Texans why they would do that. It's the only thing that could sell a head coach. And it's the first, like, actual franchise quarterback that they've had in, in Houston. Like, who would they have before that? Schaub and Carr and, like, all these different – like, Watson right. is Matt the Schaub. guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just retired, Schaub. He is. Just retired after, like, 15, 16 years. So, Greenbean, you were really? the one that, that brought up the whole trade. Ago. What do you think of Multiple's comment? Well, I think I saw something else from Malt, Malt Viles. He said, or Mutt Viles. He said that, can you guys say my name? It's funny when Mutt Ryan Viles. says it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, so, I, I fucked yeah, this up. I that... add an extra I in there, and I, <laughs> I, I, I screw this up all the time. It looks like it. It looks like it. It looks like But for that chat, I figured, uh, that super chat, I figured I'd mention it. But um, <laughs> so I think, uh, I think, look, you know what? Let me say this first, because I'm getting beaten up in the chat. Matt Matt punched me in the, in the gut, and Ryan made fun of me. This sounds a lot like when I said that Sam Darnold, Adam Gaze stuff in the beginning of the year. All right? Now, again, I don't have any sources for this. This is just the madness of my brain. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, because I heard that he's not happy. And you got to factor that in, man. Maybe, you know, if Watson's not happy there and needs to go, he's not going to pull the Jamal Adams shtick. But if internally he's saying, look, dude, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, you need to let you need to get me out of here. Then it becomes a different thing. So uh, his dead cap hit, which I don't know applies to trades or not. I don't think it does. But it's like seventy-five million dollars, and then the next year it's sixty-five million, then fifty-two. So that could be prohibitive, uh, I would say. Um, but anyway, I think that with that trade is a little light, like a third and a second and all. But multiple picks, yeah, man. You know, something like that. You know, I think uh, again, if they're in that place where it's desperation almost, like they are forced to do something, and then they have no money, no picks. He's not happy. That's when you pounce. And but you're right. It's not Bill O'Brien. Um, but don't forget, these guys been hanging out with Bill O'Brien for a few years. So <laughs> there's that too. I think it's unlikely, guys. Like, but it's just, you know, the chatter that's going around. I would just think my whole point really is that I think now you could get him for less than would normally be necessary to get him. And I think you should explore it, man. He's worth it because he's fucking awesome. I love that guy. So you know what's going to happen is the 
the Patriots are going to spend whatever the price is to get him. That would be that's what I would think would happen. And I see some guys talking about the dead cap. Dead cap is for releasing a player. Right. Uh, there is still a dead cap if you trade though. So if you the yeah. dead cap, w- basically how it works is if you trade a player, your dead cap is going to be whatever the signing bonus is because the signing bonus is ex- is accelerated. Normally, it spreads out across all the years of the contract evenly. If you release someone with five years remaining on their deal, and let's say it was one million dollars a year was their signing bonus, they got. 5 million up front that 5 million all accelerates to the one year and you get a 5 million dollar dead cap hit. So in the case of Deshaun Watson, if he were traded, it would be a 21 million dollar cap hit if he was designated a post June 1st uh trade, it would only be 5.4 million in dead cap. So there look, there's situations that they could make it work, but I I kind of think it is unlikely that this could uh could really happen. Um, Matt, did I get your opinion on this yet? I don't think I got your opinion yet. What do you uh, think? Um, I would love to Sean <laughs> on my team. I just I don't see how that is a realistic possibility. I, I don't think there's any. I, I said it earlier, but I don't think there's any way the Texans would move on. Like I, they, they were playing. They were starting. What was his name? Who beat us that year in 2015? T.J. Yates. Was that oh who it was? Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even know. Like uh, we don't even know these quarterbacks' names who <laughs> just had who they we were trying to cycle through after finding the guy. They have a 25 year old quarterback. Yes, they're going to pay him 40 million dollars a year, but that's what you have to do. You pay your elite talent. So I don't know. I I, I don't see any way they move him. I think you're speaking my language. I don't I don't see him going anywhere. But Green Bean, yeah. I love it. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think we should get him for a seventh round pick. <laughs> That's, that's how it should work. Yeah, uh, guys, we have over 678 people in I'm this live stream person, right man. now. Shut up, Green Bean. <laughs> <laughs> I think I there should be at least 300 likes on this video. We got like 100-something. So drop a like on this video, and then while you're dropping the like, check out in the description down below. There's a link to Green Bean's new YouTube channel. Hit him up, give him a sub, and drop a comment on his most recent video. When you go over there, give us your best nickname for the quarterback that should be coming in, whether it be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. I've seen, you know, Justin Time. I've seen Justin Credible. I've seen City Fields. I've seen Fields of Dreams. Uh, Wall Street Wilson. I've seen all these different ones. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff going around that I like uh, going in back there. But make sure you answer that, and we'll get we'll raffle off a shirt at the end of this stream. Uh, Lori, Lori Dana Bendick. Thank you so much for the super chat. She says, he says, they says, how many picks do you think the Jets could get for the number two pick? And do you guys think they should trade back? So this kind of goes along with the, the tweet that we saw from Adam Schefter the other day that Joe Douglas and the Jets are going to make a big time, big time trade. And he was saying how it could be either Sam Darnold or the number two pick. I think all three of us believe it is going to be Sam Darnold that is traded, not the number two overall pick. But let's talk about it. What can the Jets get for the number two overall pick? For the RG3 trade, if I'm not mistaken, it was three first round picks and a second round pick. um, And they went from six up to two. For the Eagles, they actually had a later pick worked out some trades to get up to the eighth overall pick, which I believe Miami held because I think they traded Kiko Alonzo and someone else uh, to get up to that point. And then they traded from the eighth pick up to the number two pick to get Carson Wentz. They gave up, I think it was two firsts, a third and a fourth or, or something in, in that 
vein. Um, so, Matt, in your opinion, what do you think the Jets could get for the number two overall pick this year? Uh, it depends on how far you're moving back, but it would have to be you probably have to get a nut like a first in next year's draft also i would think because i don't think any you're going to move up for a quarterback like i don't think anyone's trading up for penny sewell as good as he might be um and team you, you have to overpay to go up and get there so uh, you a pick swap a second and maybe next year's first something like that interesting interesting green what do you think the jets could get for the number two overall pick this year yeah, I mean, I think you have to talk about, you know, if that if they would have given us some um, uh, more definable parameters, it'd, it'd be easier. But like, let's say we're going down to like six or something. We know that this is a trade up for a quarterback. So quarterbacks raised a premium. The draft chart doesn't always apply in, in that respect. To, you know, how hard the position is to fill and all that factors in. So I would say 10 firsts. 10 first. I, I love that. That makes a ton of sense to me. For 10, me, I, I, yeah, I like what Matt was maybe saying. 20 firsts. I, for me, <laughs> it, it starts with a first round pick this year, like getting that pick, obviously getting next year's first round pick, regardless of where I go. If I'm going down one spot, I'm getting next year's first. That's, that's going to happen um, at the very least. And then you're probably talking at least an extra second this year. <laughs> Um, that's, that would be my, my bare minimum for that. And it depends how far we drop down. Like I ideally would not like to drop below say pick four or five. Um, now five is the Cincinnati Bengals. So they would have to trade up for Sewell and they're not going to give up what another team would be giving up to get a quarterback like fields. So I think that maybe Atlanta would be the pick that I would look towards because if I can get there first this year and their first next year, then you still have a pretty decent shot of getting Zach Wilson. And if you don't get Zach Wilson at four, then maybe you consider taking Sewell because that means someone would have traded in front of you. There would have been you know three quarterbacks go one, two, three, and then Sewell falls to you there. And then you have three first-round picks next year to, to, to go get your quarterback. And if Sam is your quarterback, which is what's going to happen because we're not trading Sam till the draft anyway, um... If Sam could either do well and then, you know, great, we franchise him or Sam does bad and we, you know, wind up picking near the top 10 like we have the last few years. So it's interesting. It's an interesting dilemma. Um, I don't want to trade out of two, though. I think you take the quarterback. Don't get cute. We have plenty of ammunition over the next few years. Don't don't make this complicated. You have the 32nd ranked quarterback in the league. Just make the pick. Uh, Paul Sabella, thank you so much for the super chat. I don't see a comment in there, but I will give you a high five virtually. Um, what else <laughs> we got? Paul Sabella again, another super chat, nothing there. You get another high five though. <laughs> Anthony Viterito, sorry. Uh, thank you for the super chat. It says, hey guys, why is no one talking about the possibility of, possibility of packaging a pick with Sam? Uh, say him and Seattle's third for uh, Colts, Saints, or Steelers first round pick. I love that idea. I really like that idea a lot. I, I think if you can get a first round pick for Sam, and you ha all you have to do is give up a third or later to to get it, I'm okay with that because the fifth year option is so valuable that you could really do a whole lot of stuff. And I think if we do get that, 
man, I don't know if Joe Douglas would try to start trading down and just getting a whole, you know, shitload of picks at that point, or if we stay put and we start making selections there. I would even consider this, you know, I would dis, I would look into the option of trading Sam and our Seattle first round pick to move up higher in the first round too. That's another, sp- another thing that I would consider. Like yes. if the option is getting a third round pick or a second round pick, I think maybe the second round pick I might just take, but if it's a third round pick is what you're going to get for Sam, then I would look into moving up with Sam. I think that that's an interesting sort of situation that you could sort of swing. And it's almost, I don't even know if I, if we've really seen that happen before, at least not, nothing that's really coming to mind. Uh, Matt, what do you think about packaging Sam with another pick to either get into the first round or to maybe move up with other picks? Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting, and it's one that's not really mentioned a whole lot, but um, it could be an, a, a good way to to build out the roster. I think I like the idea of like Sam and a third for another first-round pick and have three first-rounders instead of moving up into the with Sam and a first-round pick. Uh, just because like even if it's two at let's say I don't know let's say it's the Steelers at 25 and you have Seattle at 27 I, I still think you can get a pretty good haul um, and, and take three really solid players in that first round and then get a, another you know player right at the top of round two that's awesome um, it, it's an interesting way to build the roster and that's why I'm excited about this offseason is because Joe Douglas has so many different routes that he can go and Obviously, if you're picking second with the quarterback play this year, logic tells you to take the quarterback at two. But then after that, what he decides to do with all of his picks and his asset with Sam Darnold, that's what's going to be interesting. Greenbean, what are your thoughts on packaging Sam with a pick to get back into the first or to maybe move up? What, what do you think about packaging Sam to, to yeah. benefit us in, in the draft? Well, I, th- I think that's a very interesting and creative way to, to look at it. I want to I want to point something out. There is a, there's a, a commenter uh, named Ben Keeley who has been literally writing this trade the, since we started. Like, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And I just keep uh, telling him, you know, send a super chat. So he sent a super chat. He was the one that didn't say anything. So he see he's oh. Ben. <laughs> So he sent it, and the oh. poor kid. Now he's like, "Shit, they're mentioning it." He's freaking out. So hey, man, uh, I got you. I saw the super chat. I didn't know if that was you. So anyway, um, here we go. This is for Ben Keeley. This is your idea, and uh, right. So here we are talking about it. Thanks, buddy. We do appreciate it. Um, so anyway, uh, I think it's it would be really cool. Now the way that he said it was like taking Sam and our and our and our second first to move up to maybe San Francisco's pick or something like that. And that would give us pick two and 12 in the first round. I think it is. Uh, I think that would be phenomenal. And the value, I remember uh, it wasn't, it wasn't 12. It was like 15 or something, but I checked the value chart that would put Sam at a, a mid upper uh, 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 second round pick. It was like 400 points or something. It was four, 420 or something. So it makes sense. The value's there. It's in the pocket. So if somebody like San Francisco was willing to do something like that, uh, and they still, so they get a quarterback and they still get a first round pick um, out of it. I, that makes sense from their perspective. And from us, it's just, hey, take this bag of, uh, you know, of waste off of our docket. You know what I mean? Just take the guy we're not going to use and we get a two, essentially two top, you know, we get two top 15 picks 
I think it's a win-win if they're interested. So I think it's a really creative way. I would love to see something. I'm in favor of moves like that. I like creativity. Uh, and I, I think Joe Douglas proved last year in the draft that he's, he's not afraid to be creative and to, but, and he comes out on top so far in every trade he's done, even the ones like the lower rated ones, like Nate Hairston, conditional sixth, didn't meet conditions, got the cornerback, got the sixth back, got a cornerback, you know, same thing with Demarius Thomas, spent the six on him, got Demarius Thomas, didn't work, you know, made a trade with the Patriots, got the pick back. So I, th- I think he's he's doing well from my perspective. So I think if he did that, um, he's the guy to do it. And I think if he did it, it would be it would be a good move from our perspective, from our side. You know, thanks. This ben. would be the this would be and I'll throw Ben's comment up there, too. It, it doesn't have the comment, but it, there's the super chat. Uh, I love this move because. This is the most creative move, I think, since we saw the Browns get a first-round pick or a second-round pick, whatever it was, for Brock Osweiler for taking on his contract. I think more teams should do that. The Jets have had so much cap space. I don't understand why we haven't taken on bad contracts for draft picks to help ourselves out. I think it's one of the most creative things you can do, and I agree with you guys. I think packaging Sam to to get a first or or to move around the san francisco one's real interesting i like that a lot i think there's a lot of stuff that could really go into that um who else we got in here um hold on i'll find it in just a second i scrolled and it just flew past my screen multiviles multiviles coming up the super chat sorry (laughs) i had to make sure i pronounced it correctly uh i know streams ending soon first would it be possible to trade back with the dolphins and get both their first round picks this year. Second, do you trade the Seattle pick for a cornerback or an edge rusher? I don't think there's any shot that the Dolphins trade with a division rival. Same thing with the Jets. I don't think the Jets are going to trade with a division rival. Would I go back one pick with the Dolphins to get both their firsts? I think I would. Uh, I like Wilson and Fields. I mean, if your grading isn't real close on them, you probably say no. But, uh, yeah, that would be awesome, I think. Uh, Second, would you trade the Seattle pick for a cornerback or an edge rusher? I don't know. It would have to be a really good edge rusher. Like, if Khalil Mack wants to come over here or something like that, maybe you could get me on board with with a late first. But I don't know. I think I would rather take a cornerback or an edge rusher at the tail end of the first than giving that up for a guy already on a contract or someone that might need more money. Uh, Greenbean, what do you think about that? Um, no, I'm a fan of, of young guys. Like I, I just am like, you know, first round picks are to me, they're my favorite thing in the world, probably too much. Cause I'm a gambling addict and it enables me to gamble. So I, 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 I don't even, I'm like, mm, get, get more. Um, but so I don't know, man, I don't, like you said, if somebody like a Khalil Mack, um, you know, like, Hey man, we're just, we don't want the contract. Um, can you take them? You know, okay. I would consider that. But I'm a big fan. Patrick Jones is going to be there around that range, I would say. Carlos Basham. I like those guys, man. I even like Aiden Hutchinson in, like, the second. You know, I mean, I like these guys a lot, and they're young, man. And we're bringing in a new coach. The way that I like to see things is, like, clean. So we don't have any real star power here. You know what I mean? So just, like, let them pick their stars. Like, let them have a, you know, get the guys they want. The young, you know, con, you know, the uh, rookie contracts and all that. And let's build a team. So I would prefer not to, um, if it were me. 
Matt, what do you think about uh, getting the Dolphins' first-round picks or uh, and then trading the Seattle pick for a cornerback or an edge rusher? This is a uh, interesting question from Multivitamins over here. Um, as the, <laughs> I just wanted to get in on this. Um, so I would not trade for both the Dolphins for both the Dolphins picks because I'm really afraid of losing a quarterback. I just want to take whoever is preferred the most <laughs> to overall. I have too much fun on the show. Multivitamins <laughs> might be the best best nickname we we've seen so far. Um, oh, and that's then, fantastic. And then with trading uh, the Seattle pick, I, I I would just take if you want a corner or edge, take one there. There are going to be some good guys right there, rather than having to trade for someone who's going to cost you a ton of money, uh, who's a little bit older. Patrick Jones, the second we've talked about a ton, we both like him, or mm. all three of us like him. Uh, and then there's going to be corners there as well. So I think I'd go that route. Yeah, I think we, we all sort of fall on that same train. Uh, Mr. Magix says, have any GMs picked up the phone and called Andrew Luck to see how he's doing these days? I'm sure they probably have. He's not coming out of retirement. He's got a bunch of money and he doesn't care. He's got his all his, uh, his brain noodles uh, working. He's not overly concussed and not, you know, turning his brain into soup anymore. Do you think any shot that uh, that Luck ever comes out of retirement, Matt? No, I think he's done done. I was watching a, a video from the Pat McAfee show this week and he was like, I have not like no one's have heard a single thing like former teammates from him. I think he's just out living his life, doing his own thing, and he's going to stay that way. Have you ever seen the Twitter account that's like Andrew Luck as if he was a Civil War yeah. <laughs> like commander? He's all fighting the Civil War right now. That's why you can't no. get in touch with him. Green Bean, what do you think about Andrew Luck? You think he ever comes out of retirement? I don't. I think the reason he left was uh, health. You know what I mean? So it's mm. funny. Somebody said in the chat that they think we might all be on edibles tonight. So <laughs> it's, well, I'm in Jersey. It's soon, baby. Soon. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't I'm think in, it, I'm in Florida. So. Oh, so you're, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's legal down there. I think you probably got medicinal down that way. It's medical. Medical. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. I th- yeah, Luck's not coming out of retirement, but that would, that would be pretty funny if he did. Uh, Pump Up Wall Street says, do you guys think Sam to Pittsburgh is realistic? Seems like Pitt uh, winning a lot of games nudges them out of their out of fixing their aging quarterback issue. I do think the Steelers are going to be a realistic option. That was actually one of the ones... I should have just made this fucking video. I'm so pissed that I didn't make it today now. <laughs> like, I think that... See, I, I think the Steelers are a realistic option, and I think they're a team that could consider giving up a first-round pick because of what it would take to get Sam. Like, if, if we think a second-round pick is what we're getting for Sam, then someone like the 49ers are going to have higher picks than them. So they may have to give up a first. Maybe the Jets would have to give back a pick in conjunction, like, like, like we kind of said earlier. But I think the Steelers are definitely a legitimate option. It, I think... Ben is probably playing at least one more year in Pittsburgh. So maybe you have Sam learn under Ben for a year, then Ben's money comes off the books and then you kind of pay Sam that fifth year option just to see if he's worth it. I I think that's an interesting situation. Uh, Matt, what do you think about Pittsburgh as a realistic option for Sam Darnold? I think it's possible. Um, I definitely think it's possible, but it's not one of my front runner situations for them. I think they're going to wait one more year. 
Uh, I think Roethlisberger is going to want to go for one more. Um, but it, it's not a crazy thought just because like with any team with an aging quarterback, you have to start figuring out, okay, what's our next plan? And Mason Rudolph ain't it. So they got to figure something out. So it wouldn't surprise <laughs> right. Greenbean, what do you think about Sam going to Pittsburgh? Yeah, Mason, <laughs> Mason Rudolph ain't it. I know. I love it. Um, so I think it's one of the better spots. I actually think uh, there's already been, you know, look, we traded Avery Williamson up there this year. Um, and I think that we gave him away for chump change uh, to them. Not that he was going to warrant all that. He had that terrible game, right? He had like 15 passes caught on Avery Williamson or whatever it was. Uh, so that didn't help, but I think that we gave him away for, for nothing, uh, really essentially. So the lines are open there between Douglas, uh, and the Steelers as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense because say Ben's probably got one, maybe two left in him, right? He's having, I mean, dude, they're, they look good this year, man. Uh, so I think that Ben's not as old as he is, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, but he's not performing as old as he is. And I think that he would be a, in a great situation to, sit behind Ben Roethlisberger on a team that is known for development. I mean, they've been, their development has been strong for 40 years, man. It's just the way it is. They lose guys and the next guy up is just as good. And no matter what position, especially offense and edge, it's incredible over there. So I think Sam going over there makes a ton of sense. The relationship is there. And I think all the parameters make sense. And I think it's realistic as well. All right, let's try to fire through these last few. Greenbean, if you could go over to your page to find who's going to be our winner of the uh, raffle. Guys, list off yeah. a, a number 1 through 15 in the chat. We'll let Greenbean pick one, and then that'll be who the winner is. I'm just going to shoot through these. Paul, thank you for the super chat. If we keep Sam, what do you think uh, second-round pick will be? If we keep Sam, the second-round pick, I still stand by, you know, I could see running back there. If it's Najee Harris, he's really good. But I think I would go with edge rusher, cornerback, somewhere in that realm. Matt, if we keep Sam, who do you think we take in the second round, position-wise? Uh, I, I think you go – well, I think the second first-round pick is offense, and then they go defense, either edge or corner in the second. Greenbean, what do you think about the second-round pick if we keep Sam, position-wise? I'm sorry. I stopped listening. What did you say? I was I was looking at these. <laughs> That's all right. Se- second-round pick, who do you, position, <laughs> what do you think we go towards? I think we're going to take uh, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. Uh, I think uh, I think it's I really do. I think it's going to be uh, Edge. I think we're going to go if we keep Sam. Um, all right, all right. That either okay. If we keep Sam, then we're going to take a, probably a maybe maybe even Sewell up top. All right, just the second round pick. We don't got to do this whole thing. Just I give me an answer. I got, I got like a minute and ten uh, seconds. Like, I got to cut this. it before Najee, two hours, otherwise I can't turn Najee it into Harris. a podcast. Najee, <laughs> Najee Harris. Harris, awesome. Uh, Najee Harris, Evan Kagan, okay. thank you so much for joining the channel. Clay Wavy, am I too late to win a shirt, bro? Hopefully, right. you answered <laughs> down in the the comment section because that is where we are going to pull our winner from. Uh, and then Ben Keeley says, "Would you guys want Pitts, Waddle, or Davis at twelve? I would say I would. Ooh, I like Waddle a lot. I would take Waddle, um, but Pitts is a good option as well. Real quick, Pitts or Waddle? Matt. Davis, neither. Davis. Okay, Green Bean, you. Pitts, Waddle, Davis. What? What is it? Doesn't matter. Pitts. Pitts. <laughs> who, who wins the shirt? <laughs> who wins the shirt? <laughs> 
Well, Tell only me. one person got it right. Got- it was it was a trick question. Mr. Bucks Nation wins the shirt. He was the only one to get it right. It's five <laughs> times. We traded out once. Mr. Bucks Nation, you are going to be our shirt winner. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name's Ryan. I usually go around the panel to say what's up and what's good, but we're